Are you ready, Sean? I'm ready, Brendan. Let's do this. Welcome to There and Back Again. And again. This is the the show where we will discuss uh, a lot, if not all, of our favorite films and hopefully catch some of your favorites along the way. And this week, we happen to be talking about our top 10 favorite films, which we do find often that some of these are common between our lists. So as we go through our list, we're going to be talking about the ones that we have in common and then highlighting the ones that uh, maybe some of us or that we haven't seen in each other's lists, and the ones that are that are unique to our list. So, Brendan, how about you get started? Tell us a little bit about your top 10 list, and uh, maybe a little bit about why this film's ranked that way. So, yeah, just to be clear, these are favorites. We're not ranking the 10 greatest films of all time. These are just our Very personal true. favorites, personal top yep. 10s, which do have quite a bit in common, um, but there's enough variety here, and we will... Just kind of briefly talk about each one, and eventually, over the course of the next, uh, you know, several weeks or months, we will be watching all these movies again and going in depth on each one. My first movie on my list, starting at number ten uh, in ascending order, is Monty Python and the Holy Grail. It's been a childhood favorite. Yes, yeah, I watched this when I was a kid. Uh, I don't remember exactly how old, maybe junior high, and just thought it was hilarious, and you know. It's one of the most quotable movies out there. Uh, really, uh, really love this one. I haven't watched it in a, quite a long time, so I'm excited to, to watch it again and just enjoy that. And it's one of the only two comedies on my list, so getting the, yeah. getting the funny one out of the way. I was about to ask what was the other comedy, because like, oh yeah, okay, yeah, one of them is sort of a comedy. Spoiler yeah. alert, yeah. I guess you'd call it dark, but anyway. Yeah, very yeah. much a dark comedy, the other one. I guess question two with that is, do you own it? I do, yep. Blu-ray? No, DVD. Okay. Yeah, it's, I haven't upgraded that one. That's all right. That's all right. It's number 10, so, you know. Right. Yeah, it, I don't it, uh, I don't have everything on my top 10 list on Blu-ray. Most of them, though. But I should probably look into upgrading the rest of them. Do you own any of them digitally? I do not. Oh, man. You gotta get well, up with the times here. Actually, no, that's not true. I do own the Dark Knight digitally. I think. I think. No, another spoiler, but we'll tell you where that's placed. Oh yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, wait and see where. Where <laughs> I mean, you, could, you couldn't really know Brendan and not know that he doesn't prioritize the Dark Knight. So right. Uh, all right, number ten, Monty Python. Number nine. This one needs a little bit of a disclaimer. I'm a firm believer that a trilogy can count as one movie as long as it's a very continuous storyline. So I've got the Bourne trilogy. Uh, Jason Bourne, you know, the Bourne Identity, Supremacy, Ultimatum. Absolutely love these movies. If I had to pick one, I would say the original, the Bourne Identity, would probably be the one I, I would sure. choose. But it's all one very continuous story. You know, there's no big time jumps or anything in between the films. So again, haven't seen these in quite a while. I do own the, the Blu-ray box set of these. I'm very much looking forward to going back to those and, and revisiting. You will also find there is a little bit of Matt Damon flavor on my top 10. Some Damon so, love. Yeah, we'll, uh, yeah. We'll get to more of that as we, as we go on. So you wouldn't include Jason Bourne and Bourne Legacy in, as part of the favorite? No, no. 
just okay. just the original trilogy. Yeah, I That's did fair. see those movies once, and they were fine. But yeah, not not on the same level of the original trilogy. Got it. Makes sense. Yeah. All right. Heading into number eight here. What comes in at number eight? All right. So next up on my list of Matt Damon's greatest movies of all time is (laughs) Saving Private Ryan. Matt Damon plays the titular Ryan, James Francis Ryan from Iowa. Love this movie. It's just so powerful and moving and just such a good story. Like that first, you know, 20 minutes or whatever it is, the, the Normandy invasion is just captivating and very haunting uh, yeah very much so so that's great great movie and i guess this is kind of becoming a theme another one it's been years since i've watched this one so very much we're gonna do some great rewatches then absolutely loved this movie i remember i was pretty sure i was in eighth grade when i got to watch it for the first time and was really interested in world war ii and really really loved it have ever since did you watch it with your parents for the first time or with friends no it it was actually with my cousin um okay with with my parents' permission, but uh, yeah, of course, we were, yeah. My cousin and I were at my grandparents' house, and they had the movie, so we asked our mm. parents if we could watch, and we were given the green light. So, yeah, a sacred sacred green light of an yeah. Wow, yeah, that's great. Uh, all right, uh, continuing on here with number seven. Number seven is Inception. Here's where our list meet up. Yeah, the first Christopher Nolan movie on my list. Which there will be, uh, along with the Matt Damon flavor, there will be Christopher Nolan as well. This was his follow-up to The Dark Knight. came out in 2010. And, you know, we'll get into it quite a bit more when we when we rewatch it and, and talk about it. But I just remember kind of the build-up, you know, like from the director of The Dark Knight. And the, seeing the trailers, it was like, what is this? And then, but then seeing it in the movie, I think this was kind of what solidified for me was like, okay, anything Christopher Nolan makes, I've got to see it. Yeah, and oh, for sure. Just absolutely love this movie. The story, the music, the acting, just, it's it's awesome. Can't wait to watch it again. Yeah, yeah, that'll definitely be an early watch for us. I remember just being so fascinated with the trailers and the concept at first, just because of the the dream concept in itself. And I'm... I'm very much like when I sleep, I'm a very vivid dreamer. So like being able to see someone's idea of that playing out on screen and like touching on the the idea of what happens within a dream. There's that scene, and again, like you said, we'll talk about this, so I won't go too in depth, but this scene where he's talking with Ariadne in the cafe and they're talking about dreams and he says, do you remember how you got here mm-hmm. to kind of prove to her that this was a dream? Like, no, she had no recollection of how she ended up where they were at in that moment. Yeah. And I was like... That that felt so like vivid, like yeah, I, that's that so such a weird concept. Of when you're in a dream, you never really know, like how did I end up here? Mm-hmm. So Inception for me ends up at number two on my list. So we'll skip over that when it gets to my top ten. But such such a great film. I, oh, yeah. Very simple way to describe it. A very great film. And then here's where we hit your next comedy, right? Uh, yes. Uh, I one more thing I I would say about Inception. It every time I see that, I put it at number seven. Like I think, is that too low? But mm. I was just trying to not have a just a total like run of just Nolan films Nolan, all yeah. the top. So uh, I moved it down just a little bit. But uh, so then on to my number six. Yeah, this is definitely what you would call a dark comedy. It is very funny, very quotable, a lot of great dialogue. Also a lot of darkness and sadness in the movie as well. Uh, in Bruges, mm. which uh, is the first buddy duo 
uh, movie with Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson, directed by, written and directed by Martin McDonough, who most recently um, reunited those two actors in his Oscar-nominated film, The Banshees of Inishirin. Inishirin. Um This uh, this movie is fantastic. Not as well known as any of the previous ones on my list thus far. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about two Irish hitmen who are going to this small medieval town in Belgium called Bruges to uh, kind of hide away for a while after a hit gone wrong and uh, just about their their relationship and it's, it's really really good you you introduced me to this movie uh, so I have you to thank mm. for for this amazing piece of cinema I completely forgot how I stumbled upon it I think at one point in my in my college years I was on a, a Colin Farrell kick and I just remember mm. seeing the trailer and not many people talking about it and like, well, I got to see it just because I find him to be so he's got such charisma whenever he's on the screen. No matter what character he's playing, I feel like there's a lot of draw to what he's doing or what he's saying. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I remember us sharing that one early on. Yeah. But yeah, definitely a great one. Again, I'm going to say that about all these. This is definitely a great one. And we should add They're this. All. This one is also on your list. This is. Uh, yeah. So this point. this comes in at number five for me. Not to be I'm not saying like, oh, it ranks higher for me. But on the ever-evolving top 10 right. that comes and goes in Bruges is a, is a pretty big staple on there. Yeah, absolutely. And what comes in at number five for you? All right. Uh, the top half. This is the only sports movie I have on my list. Remember the Titans. Denzel Washington, Donald Faison, pre-scrubs. Hmm. Uh, this is just a awesome movie. Feel-good movie, you know, about the... Integration of the schools in North or Virginia, Denzel Washington, the black head coach that comes and takes over a program that used to be made up of all just white players and just an awesome movie, just watching how they bring the team together and how the season plays out. You know, Denzel Washington is a force. Mm-hmm. And the the one one complaint I would have about this movie is some of the football action looks kind of yeah. bad. But, yeah. you know, it's easy to overlook when the rest of the story is so good. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, this this and, one's great. And based on a true story, I would say very much based, but historical accuracy aside, I would say yeah. such, I mean, such a well-done and heartfelt story that it's really hard to look at that movie and go like, eh, you oh, know, yeah. it's really, it's so great in the it way is. that they, in all the things that you've highlighted already, but they, they cast it really well with the players and the coaches and yeah, really, really well-done story. Yeah. Music's great. The soundtrack and yep. the score are, are both awesome. Yeah, I just love that movie. It just makes you feel good. Yeah. It's cool to watch movies now, I mean, in 2023, and, and look at some films and say, like, I saw that guy in Remember the Titans yeah. when he was younger and up and coming. So right. obviously Ryan Gosling is one of those ones he got in there who was just yeah. a smaller part, but that's right. big man now. Indeed. Uh, moving on to number four. Number four, here comes the the Nolans. Uh, I've got yes. the Prestige here. Uh, the Prestige is just so good. Just the story throughout, the twists, the time jumps back and forth, and just this whole duel between these two magicians trying to one up each other, and all the mystery, really up until the very last frame of the movie, is captivating. And mm-hmm. you know, it's it's the smallest. Nolan movie on my list as far as just like scope and scale it's not like a big action movie or anything like that but it's pretty still pretty mind-bending and you know the I just remember the first time watching it like just at the very end like 
just being like, wait, what? I got to watch this again, like now. It's one of those movies where every time you watch it, like you still trying to look for, pick up little hints and stuff about the the ultimate twist at the end. And so I love, love a good movie with a good twist. Love the performances by, you know, Hugh Jackman and Christian Bale. Michael Caine is, is a legend. Yeah, this is a great one. And Are you watching closely? Yeah. And um, yet another one that we have in common on our list. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and not to brag, but I will say it was one, another one that I introduced you to. Well, at least let you borrow. Yeah, I, I was, I at least, I knew of the movie and I had seen trailers and was interested in seeing it. But yeah, you had DVD and let me borrow it uh, in college. And that's when I saw it for the first time. So Yeah. I feel like it was one of the ones that I loved. It's so on, so Prestige ranks number six on my list right now. It was one of the ones that I saw because, I mean, because of the huge draw of the trailer. That was one where you could watch the trailer and you feel like, I feel like Nolan put together the trailer too, just because it was like, it was like watching the film, but in a quicker format, obviously is what a trailer is. But anyway, yeah. but even down to, uh, do you remember the DVD menu? Yeah. With the spinning card trick thing with like the spinning. Uh, yeah. Like they, I mean, this was, this was back when they used to put so much work into DVD menus mm -hmm. and, and with this one in particular, you could choose different tricks from the movie and that would apply to like the menu when you selected it. And so, yeah, they put a lot of work into that one. Mm. I mean, I think everybody who worked on it just knew how good it was, but it got a lot of people started in their relationships with Nolan. And yeah, um, this was the follow up to Batman Begins. Um, yeah. So it's, that was like the where he like really came on, mm -hmm. at least as far as, you know, the mainstream, you know, I think Memento had quite a big following, but you know, as far as like a big studio film, you know, he did Batman Begins and then this was the follow up before The Dark yeah. Knight. And obviously, aside from Alfred, I, I think I would say that this was my favorite use of Michael Caine in a Nolan film. Mm. Just such a pivotal role for him. Yeah, I would I would have to agree on that. Yeah, his his role kind of as the go between between the the two, mm -hmm. and he's like a constant in the movie, right? But he doesn't like meddle too much, you know. Where yeah. he's just like they know where he stands, but yeah, yeah. That was let's see, that was number four for you. Number let's four. continue with the the Nolan ascent or whatever yeah. you would say. No, just... Top three, Interstellar. This was the follow up to. The Dark Knight Rises, so Nolan was done with the Batman trilogy. Uh, this was kind of going back to, like, with Inception, like a, a totally original concept, you know, original script um, about, you know, a little bit about space travel and survival and the survival of humankind. This movie was one where, like, it took me two or three watches to, like, fully appreciate it. The score is my all-time favorite film score. You know, when we when we come back mm -hmm. and watch it, we can I'll, we can go into more detail about that. But this seeing this movie on a true IMAX screen, which I had already seen it at least three or four times, and then I watched it, was able to go see it on a true like IMAX screen, and it was quite possibly the greatest single film viewing experience of my life. It was just like everything about that movie lends itself to like seeing it on as Big of a screen as you can, with as loud sound and music as you can, just so you feel like you are truly like in the experience, and that was that was awesome. So yeah, I should also mention you know the score by Hans Zimmer, uh, particular longtime Nolan collaborator, just uh, brilliant. Yeah, so. I feel like that's where he's really gotten to shine is in that those original works of Nolan's mm -hmm. um, with this and Inception. Yeah. He's had some he's had some great pieces in Nolan films. Absolutely. 
And All this right. is also on your list. This is, yeah. Um, it falls down at number nine for me, which, I mean, like you said, for Inception, it's one where I, when I was putting the list together, was like, man, number nine feels really low for this one. Uh, I just have a lot of favorites. But yeah, I mean, you describing that that IMAX feeling was right on with this one, though. Man, when you when you got to go see it in that true IMAX, I was so happy for you. Um <laughs> I remember not being able to go here where we were at because in the area where we we're living on the the true IMAX would have been two or three hours away. Yeah, and I think our our youngest was too little at the time. So yeah, but we did. My wife and I did go see an IMAX when it first came out. Um, just a one of the smaller IMAX screens, mm-hmm. and I do remember just that feeling of the 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 vastness of space that he creates with with his shots, just being so awesome to see played out on such a large screen. Yeah, and then. Just the in, the intensity of certain scenes that happen throughout the film really is bolstered by the the size of the IMAX screen. Just being able to take all that stuff in at once and trying to kind of keep up with what's going on in the scene was, yeah, it's one of those films that I don't, I'm not going to say you have to experience an IMAX, but it definitely definitely increases the experience. Absolutely. All so, right, we are we're, we're getting close to finishing up here with your top ten. What indeed. comes in at number two but didn't quite claim number one? So number two, and this was the. Uh, you could say that I teased it earlier, uh, kind of slipped up, but for anybody, it shouldn't be any surprise that the last Nolan film on my list is The Dark Knight. Uh, generally considered Nolan's best film, certainly the best of the Nolan Batman trilogy. One of the Definitely. greatest performances, acting performances with Heath Ledger's Joker. Um, mm. Everything about this movie, when I think about The Dark Knight, I don't just think about like the movie itself. I think about the buildup and the hype leading up to it. You know, three years after Batman Begins, you know, you've got in the couple years leading up to when the movie came out, just the as little details started to come out, like, oh, it's going to be the Joker's going to be in it, which Joker was teased at the end of Batman Begins, so it made sense. But then the right. the casting news that Heath Ledger was going to play the Joker, like, what? That was like just such a big deal, and everybody was kind of surprised, confused, or some people probably even angry about that idea, but then getting to see the movie and just being completely blown away by his performance was just a really awesome experience. I just remember like just clamoring for any tiny little detail about the movie that I could find, like going on the IMDb message boards and just scouring the internet for any, like any new images from the sets or whatever it was. Of course there were a lot of fake things out there and yeah. um, Yeah. So and then that I remember that first teaser trailer where they didn't even show any footage, but it was just like the bat the symbol. symbol and the yeah. audio of when you first got to hear Keith Ledger's voice as the Joker and the laugh I was like, oh, okay, yeah, he sounds pretty awesome. Like, let's go. So yeah, this this movie uh, is just so good. And what do you what do you have to say about it? Because it is. Another spoiler alert here. Also, on man, it's well. I mean, it's one of the Nolan films that I've seen multiple times in theaters. Twice, I think, with you. I remember you and I saw it together, and then we somehow convinced the college to pay for us when we were RAs to go see it again. Yeah, we did it as like our RA outing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we. I think we literally like lobbied for it. Everybody else wanted to go eat somewhere, and I think we're like we convinced and slowly talked to everybody, kind of like, come on now. I mean, have you seen this yet? You're going to want to see it. And the school is going to pay for us to go see on an IMAX. So let's go. 
Um, the, the girls went to and saw like Mamma Mia. Did they really? Oh, <laughs> my wife, who was just my girlfriend at the time, she was not happy. <laughs> she was like, she doesn't like musicals, and she had already seen The Dark Knight. Like we went and saw it opening night, but um, yeah, she was she was not pleased about the choice in movie for the for the female RAs. It uh, just shows how much she loves you, though. Right. But. But yeah, I mean, man, there is there is so much to this film. The reveal of of the Joker at the beginning, mm-hmm. obviously Heath Ledger's performance throughout. But you know, this is where Bruce Wayne is certainly making a lot of choices. Where you know Michael Caine's Alfred is having to step in and kind of be that voice of reason. I mean, even Morgan Freeman's Fox was having to do that for him throughout the film, but. Mm-hmm there's definitely a lot more complexity to this film than there was in Batman Begins, but you can tell like there's a lot of attention given to the details of this one. Yeah. And it, I think it does show a lot because you, you re, you can read a lot about how much Nolan built relationships with the actors in this one compared to a couple of his past ones to where he was kind of letting them make the decision on certain things mm. and different portrayals and different scenes, such as like interrogation scenes between two actors or conversations and kind of how to play something out. And you can definitely see the benefits of that in this one. So yeah, just a, just so many so many great and memorable scenes in this one. So absolutely, totally understand it being your number two. Yeah, I'm ashamed to say it's at number four for me, but <laughs> we'll get into why later. But yeah, so our uh, our number one we share in common. So I think we're gonna move on to your ten through two, and then uh, we'll we'll hit our common number one at the end. The big number one. Right. All right. All right. Number 10 for me is a comedy as well. One that when I talk to people about it, not many have heard of, but after they watch it, they're glad they did. Pure Luck. Have you ever heard of Pure Luck? Only in us talking about it for the purpose of this podcast. But prior to this, I had never heard of it. No. Well, I'd be happy to let you borrow it. It's a film that I've only been able to find on DVD. Mm -hmm. It's a small early 90s comedy with Martin Short and uh, Danny Glover. Basic, I mean, basic premise of a, a, a comedic pratfall type of man paired with a straight player mm-hmm. and Danny Glover, who's a detective and an accountant in Martin Short. But yeah, such a such a, a good pairing of, of two good actors that it, the plot almost really doesn't matter. Yeah. Because the way, the way that they play off each other so well and the dialogue in this one and mainly Martin Short's delivery of these lines, the way that he just plays into this character makes the whole movie. I would encourage anybody to go see this. Not go see it, obviously you can't see it anywhere, but right. desperately try to find it on streaming. Pick it up if you can anywhere to to rent or, or buy. I'm sure you could find it really cheap at like a half price books or something. But mm-hmm. yeah, such a hilarious film and so quotable. I feel like that's what makes a comedy great is like, how can you repeat this later? Absolutely. And will people know what you're talking about? Right. Unfortunately with this one, for the most part, when I quote it, everybody's like, what? Yeah. That sounds sounds weird, but I was like, yeah. well, you don't get it. But here's the DVD. Go watch it. <laughs> so yeah, number 10. Number nine, Interstellar, we share. Yep. So number eight is another one that I usually have to tell people about and kind of sell them on. It's Return to Me. It is the only one on my list that would be called a romance or a romantic comedy at all. It's, it's mainly got a nostalgia factor because... It's a favorite of my wife and I to watch together. Anytime we're like 
we're talking about watching a movie together on a weekend and we're just like, what do you want to watch? I don't know. What do you want to watch? If I were to just throw out Return to Me, I feel like she would say yes every single time. Mm-hmm. But it is definitely her number one. Okay. If we put together our, our wife's top tens, it would be mm-hmm. it would always be her number one. It would not move whatsoever. I don't think not even our number one could dethrone it, which is odd, but that's okay. Yeah. Well, but you know. yeah, not everybody's perfect. No. But anyway, yeah. Uh, Mini Driver, David Duchovny play the leads. Again, two great people who, when you put them to have them in separate movies, they always do well. But this pairing is just uh, a really good one for them. And then they are directed by fellow actor Bonnie Hunt uh, in her first film. And it just, it all came together well. Very small budget, uh, very small film, but very well done. Really touching story. And it's got that, I mean, for me, it's it's on the list because it's got that factor of being a shared favorite between my wife and I. So, yeah. Yeah. So recommended for your next date night with Leah. All right. It should be pointed out that... Um... You have seen every movie on my top 10, even the ones that aren't in yours. There are at least three, including Return to Me and Pure Luck on your list that I have not seen. So some of these, when we watch them, I will be seeing them for the first time. Um, Yes, so you will do most of the talking. I don't know about that, but I will will certainly share, share my feedback on them and uh at at least when i quote them you'll know now you'll know yes right so that brings us to your number seven what you got number seven the oldest film on the list mr smith goes to washington people would know it just simply because it's got jimmy stewart in it definitely not his most popular when you compare it to it's a wonderful life and his hitchcock films and uh what was that other one i guess it's not as memorable but you know, other other Jimmy Stewart ones, people wouldn't think of Mr. Smith Goes to Washington first, but he plays such a, just such a, a kind-hearted and a dreamer type of character as a, a young senator coming into the, uh, the U.S. Senate for the first time among, you know, older seasoned senators and just kind of exposes the corruption in Washington. And, you know, I guess you could say that kind of applies to nowadays too, but yeah, there's just, there's so much about it where he's got that draw as an actor to when you watch it, you can't really look away from any scene that he's in, but just the overall story just gives you, it gives you good feelings. You know, it makes you hope, it makes you hope for good things and just very well done. Same guy that did It's a Wonderful Life, Frank Capra. So you can kind of already tell that they've got that director actor relationship down pat and Mm -hmm. it works so well for them together and very very well written just good dialogue between all of the characters and not a single not a single scene is wasted and but yeah just a very quick simple story if you don't come out of that one feeling good you might want to check yourself but (laughs) yeah yeah number seven for me all right another one that i have not seen so which you will now yeah absolutely number six Number six is where the prestige landed for me. Okay. Um, so we're, yeah, we're getting into a lot of our comments here. Yeah, right. Uh, there's the prestige. Mm, yeah, multiple theater viewings for that one, and then became a shared favorite for us later on. Absolutely. But yeah, I definitely own it. Uh, number five, then. In Bruges. There's a lot of good movies on your list. I just I can't quite pinpoint why but uh you might like them when we watch them yeah i'm really excited to watch some of these uh number four 
Number four is where the Dark Knight landed. Oh. And yes, being fluid, it might fly up there. Yeah, but a little low, a little low. But you know, it's a, it's, I mean, nobody's perfect. I mean, it's top like five. Top five. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what you got at three? Number three. Okay, here's one that I know you've seen, but it's definitely not one that we share in common. This one definitely has a nostalgia factor because it is it is the first film, being that it came out in ninety eight, ninety nine, was the first film I convinced had to like convince people to take me back to go see multiple times in the theaters, but this is October Sky. I have not um, seen this. Oh, you have not seen this? No. Oh, okay, wow. There are four on my list you haven't seen. Yep, four four new ones for me. And I, I, I was familiar with this. I remember seeing the previews and everything, but no, I have not seen it, so... See, I got I got made fun of so much growing up for seeing this one multiple times because like, oh, you wanted to see that like slow drama film? Why don't we go see this like action film? <laughs> and I think this is kind of the point in my life where I started gravitating away from the films that everybody else wanted to see mm-hmm. in order to take a chance on the films that I wanted to see. Yeah. And obviously this really paid off. Uh, you have you have Jake Gyllenhaal in a very early role for him, but where he obviously the the director saw him as capable of taking the lead on this one. and He's definitely had a lot of great roles since um, his first time working with Chris Cooper. And so seeing them together as father and son was was really cool in that one. But yeah, it's just a, I don't know, if, if you have any fascination with space, if you have any fascination with that era, I guess, being set in the in the 50s, it's got an amazing soundtrack, much like, oh, what was the one that you talked about in yours? Much like Remember the Titans, obviously, yeah. just, just earlier. But yeah, the soundtrack's really good. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it's centered on a group of four friends so that, you know, the film's going to live and die on their chemistry. Yeah. And the way that these young actors just interact and play off of each other throughout this film is so well done and really makes it. But it's really centered on that that father-son dynamic that just kind of throughout the film and every scene that they're in together kind of comes at you full force just with their their acting and their intensity. Yeah. And then... Again, like Mr. like I said about Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, you can't come away at the end of this one and just go like, wow, like... I just feel good after watching this and I love that feeling. So, and one of those, again, like remember the Titans where it's based on a true story. Obviously there are some elements that are embellished and changed for, for drama here and there, but I I love those films where you like at the end of it, they kind of show like what happened to the characters or like where they're at now. Yeah. It is so, it's so cool to kind of see like, this is what they did with their story afterwards. And Mm -hmm. October sky definitely has that element. So stick around during the credits, but all right. uh, Yeah. So Getting into number two here. Number two is our shared one where you had Inception, I think, at number seven. Correct. Inception landed at number two for me. And yeah, I don't know if if I could pinpoint as to why, except I just remember that feeling of seeing it in theaters and everything about it from the way that he handled, the way that Nolan handled the, the complexities of how each dream stage affected one another mm-hmm. and the the element of time i think this is one of the first where he started messing with the element of time well i guess memento he did that quite a bit but yeah, yeah. in different ways mm-hmm. but yeah the way the way that he played with time here and the way that he played with you know set movements and and you know camera setup and just yeah just being fully fascinated this one and really like you mentioned this with interstellar too but hans zimmer's score in this one really kind of draws you into everything that's going on and happening and kind of almost the the score almost like plays a character in it in a way oh yeah like where it's in each scene and adds to what's going on in each scene and isn't just kind of existing there in the background Mm -hmm. yeah i just love that element of it but the the cast really brings this one together absolutely um 
because you know you could you slip up on one of these characters and if they don't really buy into who they're being in this imaginative imaginative world and plot uh then it doesn't work but all of them really did and it just worked out so well and really a, a good time for we talked about this before we started recording but a good time for killian murphy to shine so i know i know you and i are excited to see him again shine in a nolan film coming up this summer oh yeah yeah and oppenheimer so yeah so that's that lands at number two and it'll i think it'll take a lot of force to move it it would probably take the dark knight to move that off of number two but again these lists are ever ever changing and evolving yes yeah and we will as i mentioned we will be going through and and watching every single one of these movies and also uh you know we'll watch all of all of the nolan movies even the ones that don't make it on our top tens we'll watch all those right. including the full dark knight trilogy and so that'll be uh you know what's coming in the the weeks and months to come uh but first we are going to watch through our shared number one which is yes drum roll the lord of the rings indeed and again going back to my trilogy rule the whole trilogy counts as one movie oh it definitely is and this and in this one i feel like it has to yeah you know it's there's not a choice there no because each because especially the way that it's written but they the the way it flows together it has to yeah and it's you know any any one movie of the trilogy is an incomplete story you know Mm -hmm. i remember seeing the fellowship of the ring for the first time i was in eighth grade went to the theater and saw it and but had never heard of lord of the rings and didn't know anything about it so i was pretty confused when it just ended and it was like wait what and then you know it had to be explained to me that it's going to be a trilogy and so yeah just close to 12 hours of just pure cinematic bliss everything from the acting you know just the whole ensemble they put together in that cast and just the story and the whole expansive world that tolkien created um another great score uh something that kind of becomes clear as you and I both talk through our list, like something that is not to be overlooked in, in a good movie is, is the music, you know, the score, the soundtrack, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. Howard Shore, you know, just excellent, excellent score for these movies. So yeah, this is uh, the best there is. Yeah. Best there is. Every other film is sort of defined against it. I feel like anytime we see a movie and a question is like, how does it compare to Lord of the Rings? Yeah. Well, it's definitely not going to knock it out of number one is what it won't do. No. Yeah, that, that score is really good. And the way that they choose those, uh, each film, I know, I remember had its own unique, you know, lyrical song at the end mm-hmm. and all good ones. Yes. I think if I'm mistaken, I don't know, I have to look back. I don't want to say it as fact, but I think each film were nominated for Oscars, mm. the songs at least. If they weren't, they should have been. They should have been. Yeah. And each of the films should have been, each of the films should have won best picture, but yeah. Obviously, as we know, they they didn't, but at least one did. Yeah, it did, and deservedly so. Absolutely, and it cleaned uh, up too. Not just best. Yeah, it did. Everybody expected it to win uh-huh. when it did. Yeah, yeah. I think I think honestly because they all saw it as this great complete work, and just finished up so well. So yeah, yeah. So I think uh, we're really excited to watch through those again. It does not get old. So. No. to see it in its completeness and as it, as it was intended. So yeah, so yeah, we're we're pumped to discuss through that. I I don't think we really discussed if we're going how we're going to break it up, but we'll decide and we'll get there. 
Yeah, it kind of depends on on time and you know even just a one of those movies is the length of a normal feature right. length film so yeah we'll see what we can do but yeah very fitting obviously with the with the title of our podcast here is where the title sort of comes from there and back again and again yep. being a father now obviously the biggest question that one i'm always asking is when do you think our sons are going to be old enough to watch this yeah i think it'd be good as we watch through them again kind of keeping that in mind like all right so what are yeah. the what yeah. are the parts that are like, okay, this is probably still a little bit too scary for our, our younger kids. Sure, sure. Maybe need to wait a little bit longer, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah. At least we I'm know there's no, share with them. You know, there's no language, there's no sexual stuff. It would just all be kind of the violence and the... the fantasy, the, yeah. Yeah, scary, yeah. you know, orcs and whatnot. Yeah. So. I mean, they still scare me, so... Right. We'll see. She we'll loves. Oh, yes. Yeah. Massive spider is never a good thing. No. But yeah, we're excited to get through that one and uh, kind of start really getting heavy into our rewatches here. But we're going to start with our with our top tens, working our way down uh, each other's lists. Hopefully, everybody will will enjoy. Whoever listens, watching along with us. And yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys for joining us. Hope you enjoyed our top ten. And we just want to let you know that we are glad that you are with us here at the end of this podcast. <laughs>